0: Nearly 3 million people suffer traumatic brain injuries in the U.S. each year, and while most are mild, TBIs present challenges. For researchers... A
1: lot of research is being done on mild TBI because it's more mysterious and difficult to understand.
2: For clinicians... There's a lot of misinformation out there about concussion, and so we'll see parents scared. And for patients... That doesn't
3: connect, right? You bruise your brain, and if it doesn't hurt like a bruise, then
0: you know maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Well, there was. On today's show, learn about mild traumatic brain injury, including a look at one clinical trial that used yoga as therapy for recovery.
4: People who had brain injury came to us and said, we need this. Can we do yoga postures with people with brain injury?
0: It's all inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Bellmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Freightert Hospital, Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions in advancing biomedical research and finding new drugs, treatments, therapeutics, and interventions that are better, faster, and more economical than ever. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. For many of us, when we hear mild traumatic brain injury, we first think of a concussion, like from a sports injury. And while that is common, a mild traumatic brain injury, or MTBI, can happen many ways unrelated to sports as well. Dr. Lindsay Nelson is an assistant professor and part of the Brain Injury Research Program at the Medical College of Wisconsin. She does extensive research in MTBI, including both non-sports and sports-related injuries. We caught up with her recently to learn more. She tells us, in general, what a traumatic brain injury, or TBI, is.
1: Traumatic brain injury means that a hit to the head has caused some change in how the brain works. So the term TBI covers a wide spectrum of brain injury, ranging from mild, where one only experiences very brief changes in brain function and gets better quickly, all the way to severe life-threatening injuries.
0: Dr. Nelson has led numerous research studies covering the range of traumatic brain injuries including mTBI.
1: A lot of research is being done on mild TBI because it's more mysterious and difficult to understand than more severe injuries and also it's by far the most common type of brain injury.
0: When someone suffers a head injury what signs differentiate a mild TBI from a moderate or severe one?
1: One early sign that can be easily determined is how long someone loses consciousness after the injury. So if a patient never loses consciousness or has even up to 30 minutes Minutes of unconsciousness, this is typically called a mild TBI. So it surprises many people to hear that being knocked out for 30 minutes is a mild TBI. (laughs) But even in these cases, it's a mild TBI with a good outcome, typically.
0: In addition to MTBIs such as sports-related concussion, what are other common causes?
1: Yeah, non-sports-related mild TBIs as are more common than sports-related. And the most common causes of TBI in the community are falls and motor vehicle crashes, so over 70%.
0: Of course, traumatic brain injury can happen to anyone.
1: But there are some groups of people who are at higher risk of getting brain injuries from different causes. For example, young children. And older adults get more brain injuries due to falls, whereas adolescents and young adults are at higher risk of motor vehicle crashes. On average, men are at higher risk than women, probably because they more often engage in higher risk activities.
0: Focusing on the mild end of the spectrum, Dr. Nelson tells us that even a mild TBI causes changes in the brain on a cellular level.
1: Researchers call this the neuro-metabolic cascade of metabolic processes that has a different course depending on the type and severity of injury. For mild injuries, these changes disrupt the normal brain function temporarily, but ultimately the brain returns to normal function after every recovery. And for more severe injuries, one cellular level change leads to another, and that can have permanent damage to structure and function of the brain.
0: Mild TBIs often result in physical symptoms.
1: Such as headache, balance problems, or feeling tired. But none of the symptoms of TBI are specific to TBI. They're all things that are common to experience in day-to-day life or due to other conditions, which is one reason why it's difficult to study.
0: Changes in someone's cognitive and emotional functioning.
1: New difficulties with emotions like feeling sad or irritable partly due to physical effects of injury and sometimes also due to how one's routine has been changed. And it's also common to report cognitive symptoms like having problem remembering things.
0: And behavioral changes.
1: They may sleep more, have trouble sleeping, and some rest after injury is probably helpful for a couple days, but we now believe it's important to try to get back to one's normal routine. So if somebody is withdrawing from normal life, we sometimes want to intervene and try to get them back to normal activities to help their
0: recoveries. This means that even a mild TBI can significantly impact a patient's quality of life, at least temporarily. It
1: can affect it pretty dramatically, especially early after injury. So patients may be unable to work or drive or do normal activities right after the injury. However, with time and with the right support, patients with MTBI almost always achieve a good outcome with no long-term problems.
0: A healer of a mild TBI is time. But how much
1: time? The expected time to recover can vary quite a bit. For youth athletes with sport-related concussions, most are fully recovered in one to two weeks. For patients who come to our hospitals with MTBI, on average, recovery takes a little bit longer. Sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's a few months. Clinicians evaluate patients on a case-by-case basis to guide them in what to expect.
0: But is it possible to have longer-lasting impairment from a mild TBI?
1: A small subset of patients with mild TBI do go on to experience more persistent problems, and we don't fully understand why yet. Sometimes we find that a patient that appears to have a mild TBI really had an injury on the. The severe side of that spectrum. This speaks to the importance of seeing a qualified healthcare provider to ensure one's really getting a comprehensive evaluation and treatment.
0: There's still a lot to be learned, and Dr. Nelson tells us about some of her latest research funded by the CTSI looking at the association between post-concussive activity and recovery.
1: There's a lot of interest right now in finding out how much patients should rest after a mild TBI. It used to be recommended that patients rest until they felt better. So some people would take this to an extreme with what we called cocoon therapy, and recent studies are showing that too much rest can be harmful and being physically active after a brain injury might actually help the brain recover.
0: The study tracked physical activities of athletes with and without concussion using Fitbits, then surveyed the relationship between activity and recovery for study participants with mild TBIs. The results? We
1: learned a lot about how to use these technologies, and we also found a relationship between more early activity and better outcome. However, this was a correlational study, so we can't take the findings as causation. For example, it's very likely that patients did more activity because they felt better rather than feeling better because they did more.
0: Still, she and her cohort are building on the findings by conducting additional research.
1: Using the data from our study, my colleague and I secured additional grant funding to perform a randomized controlled trial that will help us determine how different activity and clinical management recommendations affect recovery from concussion.
0: Dr. Nelson says that support from the CTSI is essential for her research program.
1: I received pilot funding for several novel projects through the CTSI and these studies allowed me to develop new collaborations and also earn two larger federal grants to conduct additional studies for patients with mild TBI.
0: There is a lot yet to be learned, but Dr. Nelson's optimistic about the future of TBI research and treatment.
1: The science of mTBI treatment is developing rapidly and I'm really optimistic that the field will get better and better at tailoring clinical care to individual patients and their injuries in the
0: next few years. But she wants all of us to remember that.
1: Mild TBIs are very common and can happen to anyone and I would encourage anyone who's affected by mild TBI to see a healthcare provider and be sure you're on the right track to recover.
0: So what's it like having a traumatic brain injury? It's perfectly natural to wonder And it's hard to imagine. Well, we had the opportunity to speak to a man in our community who recently suffered one. We sat down and had a conversation with Tom who shared how he sustained a traumatic brain injury doing something so ordinary that it could happen to anyone. I had rented a car on business when I thought, I need to plug my phone in my phone
3: charger. Where's the cord? Well, of course, it's in the back of this rental Jeep that I have. So I pulled off at a gas station and went around the back, reached in there and grabbed my computer bag, stood up really quickly, not realizing for whatever reason the back tailgate was coming down. So I stood up quickly and my head banged up against the tailgate.
0: His head hit the tailgate so hard that... I lost
3: consciousness. I don't know how long it was, but I was leaning up against the vehicle, and it felt like there were electrical shocks going through my entire body. You know, like you see
0: stars, and I guess that's why cartoonists draw stars, because that's a thing, right? In addition to the obvious pain, Tom says the sudden blow to his head brought on an instant feeling of... Fury. This strange fury, like I wanted to punch something.
3: I'm not a violent guy. It was strange. It was just a weird, angry feeling. Followed by his biggest concern, at least at the moment. I don't know if it's vanity or whatever it was, but I literally looked around and I just wanted to make sure that people didn't see what I did. You know, how embarrassing. How could you be so dumb as to stand up and hit your head on a tailgate that's coming down? Tom says he collected himself. I hopped into the front seat and I just sat there for maybe five or ten minutes. Like, how could I have possibly done that? And that was what was really more going through my mind than
0: did I suffer from some kind of a head trauma. And then he went about his business without seeking medical attention. Not that day. I had some phone
3: calls that I needed to make that were work-related. But all of the time I felt really irritated and anxious. Or that night. And I couldn't sleep the entire night. like, why can't I sleep? I'm exhausted. But I was up the entire night just kind of rolling around and not really sleeping. Or even the next day. I had a phone call the next day and I could feel myself being just kind of irritated with work partners. And everybody's like, hey, is everything okay, Tom? Yeah, it's fine. But still,
0: I didn't do anything about it. And over the next several days, Tom's symptoms persisted and mounted until I feel really tired I'm having trouble getting
3: out of bed I feel uneasy I feel depressed I feel anxious and I just don't feel myself and took myself to the hospital and that's when I found that I had had a traumatic brain injury one that was mild to moderate and that's when I learned
0: it a week later once at the hospital Tom began understanding the potential seriousness of his injury. I described what happened, and they said, well, look, we need to
3: get you in for a CT scan. You've got to see if there's a bruising. Is there a contusion? Do you have blood on your brain? Or is there fluid? All of those kinds of things that need to be checked. And I'm glad I did.
0: But in a sense, it was difficult to believe he had the injury he was diagnosed with. You know, a
3: little bit of disbelief
0: in the sense that, well, how does
3: that happen? Because your brain doesn't hurt, you don't have a headache, but you're slurring your speech, you're repeating yourself. Things like that that wouldn't be natural, but when something doesn't hurt, that doesn't connect, right? You bruise your brain, and if it doesn't hurt like a bruise, then,
0: you know, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Well, there was. Tom knows that treatment for and recovery from a TBI can be as unique as the individual. But In my own
3: particular case, rest was needed and there was activity that I would normally do that you
0: don't want to do, but a lot
3: of it just has to do with resting your brain
0: and your body. Although Tom's expected to make a full recovery, does he have any concerns about how long his recovery might take? Well, you
3: do because much of this isn't known. Well, I have to be able to accept that while I'm starting to feel better, there may be a period of time you are healing. That could be in a few days, a couple of weeks or more. I expect, because of mine being somewhat minor, that it might not be that long. But the brain is a much more complex
0: organ in your body that's going to heal when it's going to heal. But you just have to be smart about it. Knowing what Tom knows now, he has a message of what not to do if you ever suffer a TBI yourself.
3: Don't do what I didn't do, and that was to seek immediate medical help. Men and women do this. We'll ignore things. Do not ignore your body because if you need to get medical help, you're never going to say, gee, I'm sorry, I went to the doctor and they helped me. You're never going to do that.
0: You just aren't. It's concerning enough when an adult suffers a mild TBI, but what about our kids? According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, over 775,000 kids between the ages of 5 and 14 are treated in hospital emergency departments each year for sports-related injuries, with more than one-third of them being for TBIs, including concussions. Dr. Kevin Walter is program director of the Pediatric and Adolescent Sports Medicine Clinic at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. He says in our community, sports-related concussions among kids rose sharply over the past couple decades due to increased awareness of what to look for.
2: In the early 2000s, we saw a big rise in patients coming in. That was when concussion went from a, mm, it's not a big deal, to, hey, there's something there and this is a brain injury and we need to take take it seriously, so we saw this big increase. Another, even earlier, contributing factor... ...is from the 80s to 90s into 2000s, the explosion of youth sports. Common sense says you're going to have more injuries just because you've got more kids playing.
0: Are kids more susceptible to sustaining concussions due to the ongoing
2: development of their brain? I don't think so. We used to say kids are more likely to get concussed, but there's a thought that having increased plasticity and further brain development may be beneficial because if you get an injury, you can grow around it. The thing we absolutely know is that middle school and high school kids will take longer to recover than adults. Not quite sure why, but definitely seen. Is there a difference between genders? Female athletes have a higher concussion rate than male athletes. And if you look at boys basketball, girls basketball, high school girls have about double the rate of high school boys for concussion. So yes, we see girls have higher rates of concussion, but no, we have no idea why.
0: Dr. Walter mentioned basketball, but what other sports does he see most commonly leading to TBIs in our kids?
2: You'll see football usually at number one just because there's so many players. But when you look at rates of concussion, soccer, hockey, wrestling, lacrosse, volleyball, martial arts, any contact sports are going to be the ones with the highest risk.
0: And of course, there's plenty of non-sports related TBIs. As well.
2: And hey, goofing around on the playground, or I fell down the stairs, or I slipped on ice, or, you know, I was in a car accident. It happens all over life. Symptoms of a concussion can affect kids in many areas
0: of their lives.
2: The big one for younger people is going to be school, this cognitive or thinking dysfunction. They're going to struggle a little bit more, so we need to take some of that load off of them to kind of match where their brain is at. And then the expectation is you've got a concussion, you identify it, you treat it effectively, symptoms fade away, and it's gone never to be heard from again.
0: But schools need to be
2: equipped to work with concussed students. If school does not have a good plan to get kids back into the classroom, they will struggle like crazy. And Children's is rolling out an online module free to hopefully empower schools to create these plans so that if a kid gets a concussion, they can talk to school right away and get on that return to learn plan right out of the gates.
0: Beyond school and sports, how else can a concussion impact Child's life. We see this affect kids
2: all across the board socially. They're not going to want to do as much and so they'll be more isolated and that leads to that emotional isolation and then kids get cranky and moody and it can create a lot of conflict at home. So it's amazing when you really think of this concussion, how much it affects these kids' lives.
0: As far as the recovery process, remember what Dr. Lindsay Nelson told us about earlier rest recommendations? It
2: used to be
1: recommended that patients rest until they felt better. So some people would take this to an extreme with what we called cocoon therapy.
0: Well, Dr. Dr. Walter agrees with recent findings
2: refuting cocoon therapy. Oh my gosh, that's a disaster because now you've totally just isolated this kid. They're doing nothing. All they focus on is how bad they feel and everything else in life that they're missing. So early on, they need more rest. Day or two after the injury, they need just a lot of downtime. But then we want to get them back to school right away within five to seven days tops. The other thing is there's no sports until medically cleared because we don't want concussion on top of concussion. That's where problems happen. So I always push stay away from sport until further notice, but I have them interact with friends. I don't take away phone. This is not about eliminating things. This is about reducing things so you don't tax your brain too much. You still have to live life. Not too much, but not too little. Dr.
0: Walter says sometimes diagnosing concussions in kids is challenging
2: because... Kids know if I'm concussed, I'm out. So they're going to keep their mouth shut. You know, they're going to feel bad that I can't play and I'm letting down my teammates, coach or their parents. That's hard.
0: On the other hand, sometimes parents are overly or unnecessarily concerned about their child having a concussion.
2: There's a lot of misinformation out there about concussion, and so we'll see parents scared. We've gone from where I had to kind of scare people into taking things seriously to now where I have to talk people off the ledge and say, hey, every hit to the head is not going to be a concussion.
0: To help in diagnosing a concussion, Dr. Walter recommends having the child undergo a baseline concussion evaluation evaluation test if they participate in contact sports.
2: Baseline is basically a pre-injury assessment of processing speed and memory and recall and reaction time, which can be super helpful because if you're concussed, those things will be lower and we also want to look at balance, eye movement and eye tracking. The more information we have about how your brain works pre-injury, the better and safer we can be with management post-injury.
0: While Dr. Walter is primarily a clinician, he does do concussion research as well, leading him to share what he and his cohorts have learned about pediatric traumatic brain injury. It's
2: open doors to be able to work with people that I would consider the brightest minds in sports concussion. I primarily am a clinician seeing patients, so my job is to take research Translated into stuff that we can use in clinic to treat in everyday life. But my love is taking that research and breaking it down to how can we improve treatment and how can I help educate families and patients.
0: And in addition to sharing his expertise with
2: patients and parents. I work with coaches whenever I can, I've spoken to athletic trainers, physicians, whenever I can educate I will try my best to be there and do it because that's what it takes. The more awareness there is with concussion, the more people Understand. they need to report the injury, they need to treat it effectively, and we will get them back to doing your thing.
0: Finally, Dr. Walter has a message for parents, especially if your kids participate in contact sports.
2: Concussion is not an injury that I want people to be completely fearful of, because I am not an anti-contact sport guy. I'm a pro contact sport guy. Concussion is common. Bad outcomes, brain damage, permanent symptoms are incredibly rare, and so even if we took away sports, we would still have concussion. Yes, it stinks, but it happens. Education and awareness of this injury, that's the key. So let him play? Let him play, yeah.
0: Up next, we focus our CTSI on clinical trials. Here's Caleb Pierce.
5: Brian, since we're learning about traumatic brain injury, today we discover a novel clinical trial that had TBI patients practicing yoga as part of their recovery therapy. Dr. Arlene Schmidt is an associate professor of occupational therapy at Colorado State University and principal investigator of the study. She tells us that not only can quality of life be greatly affected, but this is especially true when someone with a TBI perceives that they cannot function as they once did.
4: Sometimes perception of abilities is a little different than the reality. And so quality of life is impacted because sometimes those ideas don't align with what the caregiver or the family is seeing and can lead to some real challenges.
5: One of those challenges is often a TBI patient's ability to regulate their emotions.
4: We see someone who might become really angry or agitated, or they might become really tearful or weepy, and they know that they would not have done that before, but they don't really have the control over their emotions like they might have before their injury.
5: She says when someone loses the ability to regulate their emotions due to a TBI, it can lead to disconnects between mind and body.
4: spend a lot of time worrying about the past or thinking about the future and they are not really focused on the present. And it seems to kind of allow for this mind-body disconnect. They really become out of tune with their body.
5: And these disconnections can create disharmony between mind and body as well.
4: They are pretty angry with their body because their body is not reacting the way they would like it to and there's emotional response that comes along with this mind-body disconnect.
5: Dr. Schmin wanted to find an intervention to help regulate emotional responses and improve quality of life for TBI patients. So she turned to something she'd found effective for stroke patients. Yoga.
4: And the first trial I actually ran was for people with chronic stroke to do yoga. And we heard these stories about how they had better control over their emotions. We heard their partners or their spouses talking about, this is my person back. And people kind of came to us, people who had brain injury or family members, of uh, folks with brain injury, came to us and said, we need this. And so from there, we ran this very small study with people to see, again, can we do yoga postures with people with brain injury?
5: Next, she shares details of her yoga study, beginning with some of the criteria for participation. They
4: had to have a chronic brain injury about six months post because there is so much change happening in the brain with an acute injury, we wanted to wait. We did want to make sure that it was a brain injury that really led to some persistent issues. And so, people who could stand but who did need rehabilitation right after the injury, and people who self-reported that they had had persistent physical impairments.
5: There are many forms of yoga. What form was used for participants of this study?
4: Foundational something we call Hatha yoga, which is stretching, strengthening, kind of holding poses for a little bit of time. So when we talk about our research, we talk about it as Hatha Yoga.
5: What was a typical session like for participants of the study?
4: We start off with all postures so that we can kind of meet people where they are and from seated postures then we do standing postures and then from there we get down to the floor we wait a little while because a lot of folks sustain the fall and so there's kind of a lot of emotion wrapped up in getting to the floor. What else? Sessions always include eye movements because movement of the eye bilaterally stimulates the brain we also do something called mudras which is essentially yoga with your hands and it's for the same reason we can get bilateral stimulation of the brain so again we start at the simple level and really progress
5: what about meditation was that part of the study sessions as well
4: yes but maybe not the traditional meditation of just focus on breath because our folks kind of have a hard time with that and so what we have really done is more of a physical relaxation and starting kind of from the bottom up so it's meditative but not necessarily traditional meditation. And like I said, a little different than maybe a traditional yoga class.
5: How long did the participants take part in the study? How often did they do yoga? And how long was each session?
4: We do twice a week for eight weeks, and each session is one hour long. We expect to start to see muscular changes at about six weeks, but we feel pretty good about twice a week for eight weeks for most of our folks.
5: Were participants in a yoga class or were these one-on-one sessions? So
4: in this study, they were one-on-one, really because we weren't sure with folks with brain injury if yoga was feasible for them and then if they could tolerate essentially being in a group session.
5: And considering each participant had endured a traumatic brain injury, were they aided in achieving yoga positions?
4: Yes, they were. So that's a really good question. And I would say, you know, our folks do look different in the sense of how severe their brain injury was. So we always have occupational therapy students around to help as needed. I think we do a good job of meeting people where they are. But I would say that's kind of a mix of traditional yoga, of making sure it's adaptable, and then being therapists as well to make sure everyone is successful.
5: So what things were measured with participants while they were in the study?
4: Balance and balance confidence. We assessed pain. We looked at range of motion and then endurance. And then we used the quality of life after brain injury scale to look at quality of life. And then the difficulty in emotional regulation scale to assess emotional regulation. Everyone was assessed before and after. And then everybody did an interview after as well.
5: Dr. Schmid says the study's findings are positive. We
4: did see an improvement in both of those. For the emotional regulation, we saw a 16% improvement. And then in our quality of life, we also see general improvement, which is really nice because it speaks to the idea of neuroplasticity, that the brain can change, that the brain can heal after all of that time.
5: And post-study interviews with participants reveal some key secondary positive outcomes.
4: This idea of being more peaceful, being calmer, and that's really nice to hear because it means that they are taking yoga off the mat essentially, and benefiting from yoga in their day-to-day life, and that's really important because yoga should be more than just this one-hour routine that someone does.
5: But while the study's findings are encouraging...
4: I think it's a good first step, but we certainly need more research, and so I think we're far away from saying this is an established intervention, but what I know is happening is therapists like me are really starting to use yoga with their clients. So I think it's kind of happening with or without the evidence.
5: And even ahead of more evidence, Dr. Schmidt believes in yoga's ability to help TBI patients reconnect mind and body.
4: I think if I had someone in my life with a new brain injury, I would start working with them with yoga right away, helping them know they could control something in a time of life when it might feel like nothing is in their control. And it is an important thing for their
5: rehabilitation recovery. An interesting and encouraging study, Brian.
0: Very. But right now, we're very near the end for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Our sincere thanks to today's guests, Dr. Lindsay Nelson, Dr. Kevin Walter, Dr. Arlene Schmidt, and special thanks to Tom for sharing his personal story. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show. And I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month. Make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, along with Kayla Pierce, I'm Brian Bellmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to this program online and on demand, please visit the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Bellmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.